Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Jordan Peterson talks about eight lessons men learn too late in life. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. If you ask a disagreeable person what he wants, say, or she wants, they'll tell you right away. They, they know. It's like, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to get it. But agreeable people, especially if they're really agreeable, are so agreeable that they often don't even know what they want. Because they're so accustomed to living for other people, and to finding out what other people want, and to trying to make them comfortable, and so forth, that it's harder for them to find a sense of their own desires as they... Yeah, this is a huge problem, guys. You, we're not out here not living for ourselves okay let me let me put it another way mental point of origin you as a man need to put yourself at the center of your life this is my goal this is my mission i'm working towards it and if you don't like it cool get stuffed that's how you need to live your life guys because that is how you get what you want out of life that is how you succeed and when you succeed i mean there's nothing better they move through life. Look, there's situations where that's advantageous, but it's certainly not advantageous if you're going to try to forge yourself a career. Indeed. That just doesn't work at all. I think it's best sort of conceptualized as a, as a trading game. So let's say that we're going to play repeated trading games. And if you're very agreeable, then you're going to bargain harder on my behalf than you're going to bargain on your own behalf. Whereas if you're very disagreeable, you're going to do the reverse. You're going to think, I'm in this trading game for me, and you're going to take care of your own interests, where an agreeable person is going to say, no, no, at, at worst, this has to be 50-50, but I'd like to help you every way I can. One of the things you have to be careful of if you're agreeable is not to be exploited. Indeed. Absolutely true. Too many men in 2023 are exploited because they're too agreeable. Here's what I mean. You get these girls, right, who are 35 plus, who've been sleeping with Chad from 18 to now, and now they want you to come save them. Are you going to be the one to save her? Don't save her. She doesn't want to be saved, so don't save her. Because you'll line up to be exploited. And I think the reason for that is because you're wired to be exploited by infants. And one of the things I tell agreeable people, especially if they're conscientious, is say what you think. Tell the truth about what you think. There's going to be things you think that you think are nasty and harsh. And they probably are nasty and harsh. But they're also probably true. And you need to bring those up to the forefront and deliver the message. And it's not straightforward at all because agreeable people do not like conflict. Not at all. They smooth the water. The problem with that is it's not a very good medium to long-term strategy because lots, lots of times there are things you have to talk about because they're not going to go away. And the advantage to having a well-socialized, disagreeable person is that they really don't let much get in their way. So if you can get a kid who's disagreeable socialized, that person can be quite the creature, you know, because they're very forward-moving in their nature and very difficult to stop. But if you don't get them successfully domesticated, tamed, roughly speaking, by the time they're four, their peers reject them. Indeed. So if you are too disagreeable, you get destroyed, effectively. All right. Shilling time. 
Uh, buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios Books. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian on Tom M. Shout out to them. Just click more in the video description. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit all for notifications. Shilling is done. Thank you. Let's continue. Many men are petrified by women. They won't approach them at all. Men get confused with women. They have no idea how to talk to them. They're just petrified into immobility, you know? And that's the problem, too. If you're chronically rejected by people, it's often because of your own insufficiencies. You can't just brush it off as, oh, well, you know, no one likes me, but really I'm okay. It's like, no, no, wrong. If everyone rejects you, there's probably something wrong. Indeed. Uh, If everyone rejects you, you're doing something wrong. See, they say just be yourself, but that's not what they mean. What they mean is you need to be the strongest, most powerful, most competitive version of yourself. And then you can have your own flavor, right? I, I said this in my in my last video. I said, every man needs strong man flavor mixed into their drink. You can be whatever drink you want, but there has to be the strong man flavor in there, right? Just like every drink needs alcohol, right? Every strong man, so every man needs strong man mixed into their drink, right? The other ingredients are less important. That's a matter of taste, right? But strong man is paramount, must be there. So imagine you had people who, men who could confer benefit and who were incapable of infliction, inflicting cost and men who could confer benefit but were capable of inflicting cost. I think you'd see winners on that side because of that free rider problem. And so, and that ties into what we'll discuss in relationship to the dark triad, because there's some mystery about why women seem to be attracted to these so-called dark triad traits. And I would say that they're using them as insufficient markers for the ability to, or the acquisition of status. So, and narcissists capitalize on that, right? Because a narcissist looks confident And lots of confident people are competent, but some confident people aren't competent, but they can (laughs) fool you. And then I think the other explanation is that if you had to choose between a benefit conferrer who could punish free riders and one who couldn't, you should pick the former. If you're more compassionate, more empathic, you're going to feel the hunger of other people and you'd be more motivated to, to care for them, let's say. But it's also possible that that low agreeableness has something to do with, well, perhaps hunting prowess. That might be part of it. And so women are in a conundrum with agreeableness, right? Because they need a mate who's agreeable enough so they can bond with them and that will care for their children and it cares in general. But they need someone who's disagreeable enough so that they're capable, let's say, of dealing with free riders. That's right. So... Basically, what, what is Jordan talking about in this gobbledygook? He's saying, women want a man with frame, a man who's like, I know what I want and I'm going to go for what I want, but still be like, you know, nice enough to, to bond with her, right? Um, so he's going to punish the people that, that show disrespect, right? Or the people that try to take advantage. But he also is, uh, you know, agreeable enough to be able to, to bond with, um, the point being, she wants her cake and to eat it too. She wants Chad to be both the hunter and the caretaker, right? And and uh, usually they're not in the same man, right? Because in order to be one, you have to lose the other, right? Women are attracted to some degree to the lower agreeable types. And I think that accounts for the bad boy paradox that you described, at least in part. 
Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Because you need to have a, a hierarchy of improvement. You need to be aiming for something. And that means you're going to be lesser than people who've always already attained along that dimension. So say I see somebody in the room here, hypothetically, and I say, oh my gosh, I would love to, you know, have that kind of a life. I'd love to make that kind of money, right? And I compare myself to them, right? I'm oh my gosh, what if one day I can be that person? What if one day I can have that life, right? Well, the first thing I think you need to understand is that these people that you're comparing yourself to, you don't really know very well, you know? And what that means is that you see their shiny outside, but you don't see the reality of their life. That's absolutely true. Uh, you don't see the amount of effort, the amount of work, the amount of struggle that they have to put in to get that life. You don't see that. You just see the, the shiny car. But that car could be rented, right? That car could be not even theirs. It could be the company car, right? And the second they lose their job, they lose the car too. It could be. You know, maybe you're in California, see someone speeding down the road in a in a convertible Porsche and you think, oh man, what a lucky bastard. And um, the truth of the matter is that he's thinking about wrapping his expensive sports car around the next cement pillar that he comes close to. You know, you, you can't tell and people have hard lives and, and even people who are comparatively fortunate have hard lives. And the ideal that you're observing that makes you jealous and resentful is in large part an illusion that's created Indeed. by your own mind. Yes. You know, I, I can give you just one example. Is like I know a fair number of extremely wealthy people, and um, most of them, most of the people I happen to know, are people who've made them, their money themselves. And I tell you, man, they have a burden of responsibility that would would crush me, would would crush the typical person. They're they're just working flat out, like. 90 hours a week and they have thousands of people depending on them and you know they have their money and and they have their status and that's not nothing but don't be thinking that there isn't a price to be paid for that you know yes there is an expression actually that applies very well here heavy is the head that wears the crown and that is absolutely true if you want to wear the crown if you want to wear the crown you must prepare yourself for the, how would I say this? You must prepare yourself for the, the truth that your life will be much harder than the average person. Because the burden on you is much heavier. You have to work harder than them. In order to become better, quote-unquote, than other people, you have to outperform them. But to outperform them, you have to outwork them. You have to win in some dimension. And you can't just win once. You have to win over and over and over and over. You have to continuously prove that you are that winner. That's how it is, guys. Keep that in mind. No, they don't see their families. They're often divorced. They don't see their children grow up. And... And they don't have time off. You have to be careful of what you're jealous of because you don't really know what it is. And, and then the other thing that's kind of useful is to, well, to understand that you're different from everyone else. And you shouldn't be comparing yourself to them because they're not like you, you know? They, they don't have your family. They don't have your temperament. They don't have your troubles. They don't have your abilities. The only person that has those is you. Even if things are going really well for you now, 
there's going to be a time in the future where things are rough. You know, you're going to be ill, family members going to be ill, a dream is going to fall apart, you're going to be uncertain about your employment status. Like, the, the flood is coming, right? The apocalypse is coming. It's always the case in life. So the question is, who should you defeat in the final analysis? And the answer is, you should defeat your former self. You should be constantly trying to do that. And Yes, absolutely true. Everyday incremental improvement. Every day, try to beat the previous you. Become the strongest, most competitive version of yourself. Again, there's multiple flavors. <coughs> Your flavor needs to be whatever, whatever you are, plus strong man flavor. And strong man flavor requires a lot of work. That's just the way of, of things, guys. And you're the right control for yourself, too, because you're the one who's had all your advantages and disadvantages. And so if you want to compete fairly with someone, then you should be competing with you. If you're improving yourself, then what you are doing is competing with your lesser self. Oh, and uh, something I wanted to mention is this. Uh, this principle is true even if you're a fighter or, you know, whatever. Like, let's say, let's say you play professional football, right? And... Um, uh, you want to win some big tournament, right? What you're really doing is you're improving yourself to the best version of yourself. Uh, you're competing with other people in their ability to improve themselves, right? And when you improve yourself to such an extent that other people can't keep up with you, that's when you win. The point is the fight is won in the gym. It's not actually won on the field, Right? And then you might also ask, well, what is that lesser self? And that lesser self would be resentful and bitter and aggressive and vengeance-seeking and all of those things that go along with having a negative moral character. And those are things that interfere with your ability to progress as you move forward through life. Could you be slightly better tomorrow than your currently flawed self? And the answer to that is, Absolutely, if you have yes. enough humility to set the bar properly low, then you could be better tomorrow than you are today. You might say, well, what's the right way of being in the world if there is such a thing? And it's not acting according to a set of rules. It's attempting continually to transcend the flawed thing that you currently are. And what's so interesting about that is that the meaning in life is to be found in that pursuit. So I've been laying that out in these discussions too because... Uh, it's, it's funny, right? They say that um, like once you've attained your goal, you're just on to the next one. Because it wasn't really about the goal ever. It was it was about the journey of attaining the goal. Uh, and life really is, you know, there's a Chinese proverb. It goes, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Um, so, but really, the journey is not about the destination. Because if you think about it, let's say there's 10,000 steps between where you are and, and your goal. Really, 9999 of those steps are not at the goal. So most of the journey is is the journey itself, right? So, so it goes, right? And once you've attained it, you'll feel empty because it wasn't really about the destination. It was about getting to the destination. So but but again, getting used to that process of um of building of building yourself and of and of working towards the goal that's that's the thing right and then you just shift to a new thing after as i say well the the fundamental issue is that life is tragic and difficult very tragic and difficult for everyone and 
it's also tainted Indeed. by malevolence because no matter how things are tragic and difficult, but there's always some stupid thing that you could do or someone else could do that could make it even worse than it has to be. And so that's life. True. And you need an antidote to that because that can embitter you. Constant contact with that. Just the tragedy, but the tragedy combined with betrayal and malevolence, that makes it even worse, especially if it's self-induced. Okay, so you need something to set against that so you don't get bitter and resentful. Well, what do you set against that? Doing something worthwhile, by your own definition, say. You need some reason to get the hell out of bed on a terrible day. because That's right. You need some excuse to get out of bed because life is hard. Absolutely true. Great advice, Jordan. Yeah. And that is masculinity, right? Masculinity is striving for our goal, working towards our plans, our goals, our desires in life. It's not about the destination. It's actually about the fight and the struggle and the competition to achieve it. That's what it's about. And the effect that that has on you is what it's about. You've got something good to do. Well, what's the best thing you can do? Transcend your current wretched and miserable self. Indeed. There's meaning to be found in that. And that's meaning that's associated with responsibility. One of the things that I've been trying to lay out clearly is that life is hard. It's tainted by malevolence and betrayal. That can make you bitter. You need a meaning to offset that. Where's the meaning to be found? Not in rights, not in impulsive pleasure, but in responsibility. Right. You take responsibility for yourself, so you take care of yourself. If you're good at it, you have some excess left over to take care of your damn family. If you're good at both of those, then you have some excess left over to take care of your community. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, and that's, that's right. You build so much value that you can care for not only yourself, also your family, and also your community. Absolutely true. Yes, that is, yeah, that's very, very, very well put, Jordan. Very well put. Wow. Those are heavy burdens. You pick up the burdens, you find that's meaningful. Yes. The best way to pick up the burden is to continually improve yourself. Yes. And that's where the meaning is to be found. And so that right. meaning is in the continual self-transcendence. That's letting your old self die and the new self be reborn. And you have to be prepared for it. And the question is how to prepare for it. And the answer to that is to find a way of being that works even under the direst of circumstances. You've got the possibility to slowly raise yourself out of the mire. You've got the, the possibility to do just what the fighter does when he's defeated, which is to say, well, regardless of the circumstances that might have led to my defeat, like even if there were errors on the part of the referee, this is no time to whine about it. This is a time to take stock of what I did wrong so that I could improve it into the future. And that's the right attitude. The point is your best strategic position is how am I insufficient and how can I rectify that? That's what you've got. And the thing is, you are insufficient and you could rectify it. Both of those are within your grasp if you aim low enough. And I don't mean don't aim and I don't mean don't aim up. But you have to accept the fact that you can set yourself a goal that you can attain and there's not going to be much glory in it to begin with. Because if you're not in very good shape, the goal that you could attain tomorrow isn't very glorious. Indeed. But it, it's a hell of a lot better than nothing, and it beats the hell out of bitterness, and it's way better than blaming someone else. It's way less dangerous. And you could do it. And what's cool about it, it's one step on a very long journey. And it starts to compound on you. 
So a small step today means puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And then that puts you in a position to take a slightly bigger step the next day. And you do that for two or three years, man, you're starting to stride. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. I don't know how many people have come and told me. It's so strange. They said, well, I started making my bed and that made all the difference. It's like, well, yeah, you decided to aim up, man. And the first concrete instantiation of that was that you made your bed. And you think, well, that's nothing heroic. It's like, no, but aiming up is heroic. That's something. And then lowering yourself to the point where you're not above the mess in your room. You know, you're not superordinate to that. You lower yourself so that you straighten up. You, you're grateful for what you have right in front of you and you take care of it and you put it in order. It's like all of a sudden things start to get better. Yep. Right. Uh, what, what is the expression? How you do one thing is how you do everything. You should be a monster. You know, because everyone says, well, you should be harmless. Virtuous. You shouldn't do anyone Absolutely any harm. You should not. sheath your competitive instinct. You nope. should try to win. You know, you, you don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to be too assertive. You want to take a back seat and all of that. It's like, no. Wrong. You should be a monster. An absolute monster. And then you should learn how to control it. Do you know the expression, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war? Right, right. Exactly. Absolutely true. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly right. And so when I tell young men that, they think, well, lots of them are competitive. They're low in agreeableness, you know, because that's part of being competitive temperamentally. It's like, is there something wrong with being competitive? No. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing There's wrong. There's something wrong with cheating. There's something wrong with being a tyrant. There's something wrong with winning unfairly. All of those things are bad. But you don't want people to win? What's the difference between trying to win and striving? Well, if you're harmless, you're not virtuous. You're just harmless. That's right. You're only virtuous when you choose to control that which you can affect. If you have made yourself into a warrior and you choose not to hurt, then you're virtuous. But if you can't hurt, you can't then say you're choosing not to because you have no ability to. You're weak, so you have nothing to control. You're like a rabbit. Indeed. Rabbit isn't virtuous. It's, it's prey. Just, you just can't do anything except get eaten. It's not virtuous. If you're a monster and you don't act monstrously, indeed, then you're virtuous. You know, the hero has to be. The hero has to be a monster. But Indeed. a controlled monster. You have to be a bit of a monster so that you can say no. Part of how you regulate your interactions with other people is to negotiate. And you cannot negotiate unless you can say no. You can't. That's right. And it's always better to negotiate from a position of power than from a position of weakness. Which is why being a monster helps. And do it. And it causes conflict to say no. And if you don't like conflict, which is basically the definition of being agreeable, then you can't tolerate the conflict. Let me give you an adage, a Roman adage. Are you ready? If you want peace, prepare for war. So then you can't negotiate on your own behalf. And so then you keep losing and you're bullied and, you know, it's, it's not good. Then you get resentful and, and it's really not good. So you have to develop your inner monster a little bit. And, and then that makes you a better person, not a worse person. It's weird. 
but that's just how it is. So there's this old idea, you know, that you have to rescue your father from the belly of the whale, right? From some monster that's deep in the abyss. You see that in Pinocchio, for example, but it's a very common idea because imagine that you're like the potential composite of, of all, your, all the ancestral wisdom that's locked inside of you biologically. But that's not going to come out at all unless you stress yourself. That's unless right. You, unless you exactly. challenge yourself. Yes. And the bigger the challenge you take on, the more that's going to turn on. And so that as you take on a broader and broader range of challenges and you push yourself harder, then more and more of what you could be turns on. And that's equivalent to transforming yourself into the ancestral father. Into all, because you're, you're like the, what would you call it? You're the consequence of all these living beings that have come before you and that's all part of your biological potentiality and then if you can push yourself then all of that clicks on and that turns you into who you could be that's a that's a beautiful concept that i've never thought of the idea that the the your biological lineage kind of gives you the potential of what you could become but you must stress your body to bring it out of you you, you must in your mind of course interesting and that's the re-representation of that positive ancestral father. So that's why you rescue your father from the belly of the beast. Don't sacrifice who you could be for who you are, which means if you have to choose to transform in a positive direction or maintain your current position, then it's better to transform in a positive direction. Well, there's more. Because of entropy, right? Entropy is the concept that everything decays, right? So if you're not moving up, you're moving down. If no energy is input into the system, the system decays. So you need to constantly input into your system. Because if you don't, it will decay. Alright, I, I don't think there's a better note to leave that on, guys. This was a powerful video. Alright. Hit the sub, hit all for notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian O, and Tom M. Just click more underneath the video. Buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the heliosblog. Take care of yourselves, guys. Thank you for listening to the end. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you next time.